0: Hi everybody, welcome back to the uh, treetop chat. Uh, This is episode number 26, and um, today we're going to speak with a very special person that we had on the board about six months ago, Um, so um, feel free to uh, enter any questions into the chat box. Um, For those who are not watching this, uh, uh, you can check it out later on our IGTV or in our YouTube channel. Um, So, uh, Peter DeVries from Canada, a uh, well-known guy in the industry. So um, without further ado, let's bring on Peter. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. I can see we have the same cap.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I also have a little sticker on my t-shirt today.
1: Oh, very nice.
0: Do you see it? Yes. It was sent to me all the way from Canada.
1: Yeah, I wonder who sent that.
0: <laughs> so, how, how is everything?
1: Oh, not too bad. How's uh, things uh, going business wise with you?
0: Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's pretty good actually. Yeah. So something is happening here, Herman. Yeah. No, worries. no, it's good. It's good. Uh, you know, I'm I'm still recovering. I'm I'm walking around with these guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, I will be for another couple of weeks, but, you know, things are going in the right direction, so that's good.
1: Well, that's good to hear.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Peter, I have to start to ask you first, uh, you know, what is the right pronunciation of your last name? Is it DeVries or DeVries? DeVries. 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 Yeah, we thought so. You know, we had a big debate here, you know, the cameraman and I, (laughs) uh, about the right pronunciation, but now we know.
1: Yeah, well it's a good uh Dutch name, so
0: Yeah, exactly. We thought so.
1: Yeah, my sure, uh, my sure. dad was born uh in Holland, so and then he uh, emigrated to Canada.
0: Uh, okay. Uh, which generation was that? My my father. Ah, oh, your father? Yeah. So uh, how many times have you been to to uh to Holland?
1: I have, well, uh, actually, I was supposed to uh, go there this past May, but uh, the uh, corona had something to say about that, and we had to cancel okay. our trip, so I haven't been since I was in grade one, so many, uh, okay. many years ago.
0: Sure. So, so I suppose, you know, since you're your father, I guess you have still some family there, right?
1: Yeah, I have uh, several uh, aunts and uncles and, and cousins over there, as well as okay. some of the into uh they live in germany as well
0: okay so where about in holland is this uh
1: they're mostly in like the amsterdam area and then um uh, there's uh, i got one uncle that lives in belgium and a um half sister and some nieces and nephews that are out in uh, germany
0: okay okay
1: so I'm nice. looking forward to uh getting back over there to uh visit and uh who knows what happens uh this coming year if we're able to do that or not, but uh I'll get there as soon as I can.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, like I like Holland. I've been there been there many, many times. Yeah, it's a beautiful country. Uh, it is. Um very flat though. <laughs> <laughs> So, Peter, we spoke about six months ago. Um, so give us a brief round on what happened since uh, we last chat, uh, had a conversation.
1: Um. Well, yeah, time has flown by. It seems like we just had that chat just a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, that was uh, back in April, I believe, when uh, you started the Treetop Chats.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: uh, lots of things have happened since then. Um, as you know, I'm an ambassador for uh, Courant as well. Um, they just did a nice uh, little introduction um, of me last week on their page. Uh, they've introduced uh, four of us now and plan to do the rest of the team over the, the coming weeks and months. And uh, so that's been going on. I've been officially uh, ambassador for them since last September when the team was formed. Um, huh. So it's, it's been a lot of fun um, to, to help promote uh, their gear, uh, their ropes, uh, harness, and it, it, it's just been a fun experience uh, moving forward. Um, and also since the time we spoke, uh, this happened back in June, um i have also joined the Current team as their tree range uh promoter for the art market and that uh is for uh, all of north america which is pretty exciting
0: nice nice so so, with- so in the because- you know, in, in becoming a promoter, uh, you know, in October, uh, you know, how, how did that happen? You know, and, and uh, what will it entail in terms of, you know, what will differ from what you've done before? Uh,
1: so with
0: the the, the, the promoter uh,
1: position um, it for the North American uh, market, there there isn't a lot of uh, current gear over here yet. It's been well established in Europe um, and yeah. somewhat so it's bringing and setting up new dealers here um, so in Canada we set up uh, the first uh, major dealer that carries the whole uh, tree care range um, and that's maple leaf ropes in uh, the province that I live in Ontario mm-hmm. uh, so have the full range of um, gear and ropes uh, for sale on uh, in shop and also on their website and then we just recently started dealing with another company uh, as a new dealer out in Calgary in Alberta. That's in the western uh, provinces of Canada. And yep. uh, the Arbor Supply Company. So okay. we're to add an, one more uh, piece to the puzzle here in Canada. And then uh, also start working on adding a few key dealers uh, in the USA as well.
0: So actually you know in in the in this uh, promoter role it sounds, sounds like you're almost like working with business development right
1: yeah yeah, definitely uh it's a lot of fun um uh, just be on this part of the uh the arborist scene uh normally i'm used usually in the trees or in a bucket truck and then also here in the shop splicing uh so I get to see kind of the behind the scenes and be part of uh that that piece of the puzzle uh that makes up uh this amazing industry
0: cool so i i suppose uh, you will have uh you know a visitor in, in another peter uh in a while right
1: yeah yeah uh peter teal uh i speak with him all the time he's a great uh great guy uh and i work uh very closely uh with him uh yeah he's uh he's a one of a kind for sure
0: yeah, I, I uh you know, he was he was in Stockholm. I can't remember if it was in uh might have been in December last year actually. He was um he was at my house. Uh, we had a you know, had to sit down for a couple of hours and, and uh you know, once he gets over, you know, make sure you bring some chocolate.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh Peter, we we've seen quite a few of your splices on Instagram and heard that, you know, you're you're very good at what you're doing. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, because that, that's a big topic right, right now. You know, people want to do their own splices and, you know, do splices or slices that go through, you know, all kinds of different equipment like zigzags or other types of, you know, smaller equipment, the centers. So um, how did you learn that? And, uh, you know, how would you, you uh, what's your advice to somebody that wants to learn how to splice?
1: Uh, well the biggest the, the most important thing is following manufacturers uh specifications and also getting your splices uh tested on a brake test machine. Those would be the two most important things um I started splicing or getting into splicing about uh five six years ago now um just like most people do, they Google it or YouTube it and uh-huh. uh, start working away at it. So that's what kind of piqued my interest. I was interested in in it. Uh, I'm also a gear nut and rope nut, obviously. Um, so that just kind of followed suit and just continued building on, on that and practicing. Um, I hosted a couple uh, workshops here in my shop and... Uh, from there continued growing designs by DeVries, basically because there was interest out there. So I was like, all right, well if, if people are interested in, in getting some stuff made, I'm gonna go through the, the right channels and uh, get my, my splices tested. Um, I've had them tested not at just one spot. I've, got, I've used a couple different um, places that do testing. Uh, just so I have a good uh, baseline. Um, so yeah, that. So from there, I just kind of continued to grow. And people message me on Instagram or or Facebook Messenger. Can you build this? Can you do that? And uh, so if I don't know how to do it, I'm not going to do it. And also if it's something that isn't safe, I'm going to tell them that that's not safe. I'm not going to build that, whatever you want, a sling yeah. or for them. So it's always okay. looking at doing it the proper way. And with that, also having, like I said earlier, the testing and then the insurance behind that as a business.
0: So I suppose since you're, are, are you doing the brake testing yourself in your shop or?
1: No, I don't have a brake test machine here. There's actually, uh, for for me... Uh, for certain splices, like, uh, for example, I'm also a qualified splicer now for all of the spliceable ropes uh, from Caron. Um So those uh, I did and sent them back to the factory in France so they could be inspected and brake test uh, right there. Um, and they all passed. So uh, technically... Uh, to become a qualified Caron Splicer, you, it, it would be as you're a dealer like yourself, and your uh-huh. in-house Splicer uh, is going to do the program and get qualified. I'm a it's little totally- bit like I'm not a dealer, um, but I sell um, custom products to the art uh-huh. market. So I went uh-huh. through at, for that as well as the new role I took on as the promoter. So those shops, when they um, get onto the tree range program and want to sell rope and buy it in bulk so they can do it themselves, I can visit them at their shop and uh, kind of facilitate that to alleviate someone from France coming over to teach them that.
0: Okay, Yeah. So, yeah, I suppose, you know, we've we're, we're been through this process with Teufelberger, obviously, since we're, you know, we're accredited and, and uh, you know, can do splices or splice, uh, splice as they called in the in, uh, Teufelberger world right now. Um, so we, we hold the uh, the certificate for the CE and E in approval. So I, I suppose you did a couple of samples that you sent in, and that was then sent to um, uh, Accreditation Institute that, you know, so you do them approved but you know, you're you're more like ANSI approved, right?
1: Yeah. So with the um the Coron ropes that we're using in North America now they are both C and ANSI uh standard. Oh, okay. Um the ones that we're gonna bring to market. There are some ropes that are ANSI, um, but those aren't ones that we're gonna bring to market so i all the ropes that i'm using same thing uh so that both i'm covered on both uh, aspects of it and then my rigging okay. um i send them to there's a local college here that has a brake test machine mm-hmm. so i work okay. uh, i work with them and send my samples there and they uh they record all the the findings and they have a record of it and then they also pass that record to me so there's double uh, any any
0: do you have any plans to build your own rig
1: no i don't uh, i don't have room
0: <laughs> <laughs> well have you know to. i guess you need like a like an i-beam of like four meters and this little beautiful rock exotica device have you seen that
1: yes yes so if i had room in the shop definitely um but it's nice that there's someone somewhat local they're about A five-hour drive for me so if i want to go there and and see it being done i can otherwise uh we we've done like what we're doing right now kind of be live uh video and watch the the machine do its work
0: well you know to me it sounds more like you need to negotiate with your wife and taking you know the living room into account and and expand your shop
1: (laughs) well i already have a decent sized shop but for the winter time, I need to store stuff in here. So,
0: yeah, I know. Yeah, that was that was actually uh, you know the next question we're coming to. ask. where, you know, we're heading towards winter. It's starting to get really colder and darker outside, you know, in the nor- northern hemisphere at least. You know, what is the you know kind of the winter working conditions in Canada?
1: Um, well, kind of where I where I li- like is Canada's huge, as most people know. If you look at the map, um, and I live in one of the most southern parts of the country and so and actually where i live personally in southwestern ontario our winters aren't usually too bad we do still get cold snow but the last few winters we've had very little snow um just one or two maybe big snowstorms and then it all melts and and but it does definitely stay cold here through the winter uh, for winter work, I work for a municipality as my 40-hour day job type idea. Um, so we, we really don't stop unless the weather is basically forcing us to stop. Uh, we'll do still removals, uh, prunes, street raising, that type of deal. Uh, mm-hmm. For myself, any tree work I do on my own... If there's snow on the ground, I'm not doing any tree work. I'll still go climbing for fun, rec climbing, and practice uh, climbing techniques and and get ready for competitions again. But uh, I I don't do too much uh, tree work myself for my own business Uh, through the winter. It's mostly I'll be in in here in the shop. Uh, That's where I most of the time splicing. So I can get a lot of work done during those times.
0: But you know, you you worked in cold weather. What do you think it's you know in, in kind of the, the more of the northern territories, you know, up like in, in uh you know, Toronto, for instance, where it's very cold during wintertime. Is you know, is there any limitations where people are not allowed to work in, in cold weather?
1: No, I wouldn't say you're not allowed to work or it's uh unsafe. Um it's more if it's too cold, some your sometimes your equipment's not gonna work right. Um, if it's too cold and you have your, your PPE on and underneath you're wearing your lawn johns and you're, you're bulking up underneath with under layers, um, and it's too cold to work your hands. It's, it can become unsafe work. Uh, but for the most part, most of uh, the people I know, um, even in Northern Ontario, uh, a lot of them still do some work when they can, but. Yeah, at a certain point when you're trudging through three feet of snow to get to a backyard, it's not worth uh, doing the work uh, anymore and you'll have to reschedule for springtime. Exactly.
0: exactly. So uh, I think we touched on this uh, about, you know, last time you uh, told us that you had an intention to start to compete again uh, soon. So uh, what, what is going on there? Is there? Is there any competitions coming up or, you know, what's uh, happening?
1: Is everything,
0: you know, completely uh, dead because of the corona or what's happening?
1: Yeah, the stupid corona. Uh, I definitely had uh, Ontario. Um, It would have been in September, -September, mid-September schedule. That's ISA. That's my local chapter. So I would have competed in that. It was uh, only an hour and a half away from where I live. Um, and then the following week was going to be in uh, Michigan, uh, which is the state. I, if I go out onto my front yard and go on the road, I can see Michigan, United States, uh, right from my front yard. Uh, so I was going to head over there for theirs because, again, it was very close. But with uh, the coronavirus, we canceled our local one. They still carried on in Michigan, but I can't travel there without coming back and quarantining for 14 days. So there's two competitions in Florida, one uh, next month and then uh, one in January that I would have attended. But again, I can't afford to come back and have to uh, quarantine for 14 days. So all of that's on hold for now.
0: Yeah, we just uh we just had a relative that tested possibly for covid here. Uh got results today actually. So, uh terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Peter, uh you're you're a firefighter as well. Uh, you know, uh, how much of of that you know is is taking up your time?
1: <laughs> how do I have time for that as well? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh Yeah, so the community I live in, it's a small town called Port Lambton, and uh, we have maybe a thousand people that live in this uh, village. And uh, I've been a volunteer firefighter since I moved here in 2007, so I'm almost going on uh, 14 years Um, in that. Uh, stint I started as a firefighter I did five years as a training officer for our fire hall and now I'm currently uh, a captain on the hall and uh, I do it because I love the town I live in I want to help people and there's always a need so um, it's been able I've been able to make great friendships from it and for me I was an outsider. I didn't grow up around here. I actually grew up east of Toronto, like four or five hours away from here. So it was yeah. a way to get into the community and, and be a part of it. So, but yeah, no, I, I love it.
0: Cool. So, do you have like a, a background as a firefighter? Did you have that background when you moved there, or you know, has this been something that you you know kind of caught up while you were living in, in, in yes. your village? I-
1: I didn't have a background in it. I signed up to be a volunteer and fell in love with it. And I went through all the schooling. So I'm a NFPA uh, level one, two firefighter. I have my uh, company officer diploma. Um, I have my officer level two uh, from NFPA. And we've also just started uh, a rope rescue team for the township I live in, which I'm also a part of. So it's all things that I gained and gone to school while I was uh, being a volunteer. I was a, I had the opportunity to actually take courses uh, during that time to become certified.
0: Okay, so now you're fully qualified and fully trained, huh?
1: Yes, yeah. So technically I could if I wanted to, which I did also try uh, to become a, a full-time firefighter for uh, a municipality and just didn't work out in the cards that I were I was dealt at the time so but Mm. I look at it whether I'm a volunteer or full-time we're all firefighters we're all doing the same job I'm just not at the fire hall as much as a full-time person would be we we typically train once a week uh we have meetings uh once a month um and then with the rope rescue i also uh train at a minimum once a month for that uh and then i have i'm basically when i'm home i'm on call if there's an emergency my phone i have an app my phone will go off and then i respond to the fire hall and get geared up jump in a fire truck and and go to the the call yeah
0: you know, it seems to be quite common that people, you know, the people that are arborists also uh, are firefighters because I know quite a few guys who are, you know, working, you know, either part-time or, or you know, full-time and do this, you know, do the arborist on their spare time on weekends and so forth uh, or when they're not on shifts. So um, actually I had a guy in the store today who just got a new harness. He's a, he's a firefighter. So it seems to be quite common.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, for over here, I'm not sure how it works in, in Europe, but a lot of the, um, the fire departments in Ontario are on a 24-hour shift. So that turns out to, in a month's time, you work around seven or eight shifts a month and then you're off for the rest of the month. So they have a lot of time to pick up uh, side jobs or a, a basically another career and with fire and arb kind of related through ropes and knots and everything it's it's somewhat uh easy to pick up on
0: yeah yeah i know uh here here in stockholm we have um uh, you know a, a station uh kind of south of the city that you know has most of the uh you know the rope access people and and uh, they cover all of stockholm because they have all the gear for for you know Rope access and and uh, you know rescue uh, through ropes. Yeah, no, that's not. Not all stations are doing. it, To be honest.
1: But. Yeah, that's same here. Like with our new new team, all the gear is located centrally because uh, there's six fire halls in the township that I live. Like I live in, uh, it's called St Clair Township, and there's six fire halls. So one fire hall is central to pretty much the population. So that's where. That rope uh, access gear is held, and then depending on where the call is, I'll either respond directly to that hall or to the call and, and meet the rest of the team.
0: Okay. okay. So that means uh, when, when you when you're on call, you have to leave your house and go to the fire hall to to get into a truck.
1: Yeah, yeah. So okay. middle of the night, two in the morning, pager goes off. Get jump out of bed, get changed. The fire hall is literally a minute from my house, so I'm usually okay. one of the ones there. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll get geared up, jump in whichever whichever uh, fire apparatus we need for the specific call, and and then head to the call. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool.
0: So, uh, you know, another topic. You know, we're we're um, um, you know, looking at your Instagram, you know, how come you're connected with so many Europeans and Swedish people on Instagram? Uh, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're amazing. What's your best guess? Uh,
1: Well, I, I, I think like uh, social media has been able to, uh, or allow a lot of us to connect just like we are now um, being so far apart. Um but I think that's where it has really uh come about uh is really through social media for myself, um and talking uh with other people throughout the world uh that are part of this industry. And I think also this industry itself is unique and very close knit um to allow us to really come together as as one solid group. So um But yeah, I do have uh, uh, quite a few followers in in Europe and uh, I thank all of them for it. I appreciate uh, people like what I'm putting out. Uh, But yeah, like what I'm trying to do with my page is, yeah, one, obviously promote the company I love to uh, work with and and use their gear, but uh, also bring uh, a positive attitude and positive vibe um, for the industry, uh, moving forward.
0: That's good. That's very good. So, um, what, what's your, I, I haven't checked in, in a couple of days. What's, what's your, what's your following base right now on Instagram? Uh, 11.5. 11.5. 11. 5. Yeah. That's quite
1: 11. a few
0: people.
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm shocked as you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, uh, yeah, yeah it's- it's it's pretty amazing and uh i appreciate the support and and the the love that i get from everyone everyone's really encouraging and uh it, it makes it easier uh putting good content out there having that uh positive uh vibe coming back as
0: well yeah absolutely so uh let's let's bring out the crystal ball you know what is uh what do you what do you expect and what is happening in 2021 What's in the pipeline?
1: Uh, well, I think uh, well, growing uh, my business for one, uh, Designs by DeVries. Um, definitely growing this brand above me uh, and, and here and on your hat. Uh, we want to uh, continue uh, pushing in the North American market. Um, hopefully the coronavirus uh subsides a little bit uh, so we can get to uh more visiting and trade shows and, and hanging out with the with our friends around the world basically. Um but yeah really just just promoting um this brand in North America will be one of my main focuses for sure and uh mm. keeping that positive vibe and and attitude
0: throughout 2021 sounds very good um so um you know since since, uh, since we last spoke you tested some new gear as well you know the, such as the akimbo for instance uh, so uh again what is uh standard question what is your favorite piece of gear of all times and why uh them all <laughs> <laughs> them all
1: them all Uh, Yeah, so I also, uh, I got the CE version of the Akimbo over the summer um, because of uh, Square uh, version 2 or 2.0, it became uh, one of the approved ropes, Um, so I I picked up the CE Akimbo, Uh, done a little bit of time on that, still fine tuning it, but it's a lot of fun, Um, but I think Probably the newest piece of gear that I got. I have it here on my harness.
0: Rope runner pro.
1: No, no, no. I don't have that. It's called the hipster. The hipster. Yeah, it's uh, made by uh, Thompson Tree Tools. The the guy who came up with the unisender. So oh, it's, okay, yeah, your uh, adjuster. Uh, mechanical lanyard adjuster. Uh, I've been running it on the Canupa, uh or Canopa uh, rope. Um, I think it's a little bit too uh, thick of a diameter for it, so I'm going to probably run it on the Kimura, uh and I think it will be uh, perfect for that diameter as it's 11.7. So Is that,
0: that was... the one that grabs two ways?
1: Yeah, like, uh, I'll take it off my belt here. I think I've
0: seen it somewhere, but, you know.
1: um... So you'd be, there we go, lanyard in with the rope going obviously the other way. So you're lanyard in, rope going around. And then, yeah, it will grab like so. And then you use this. To adjust down, so then you take you you put the pressure off that, and then it will release out onto uh to the tail end, and then it, it okay. tends very nice. Uh, but with any mechanicals, there's a little bit of a learning curve, so it's it's yeah. still getting it dialed in on the right rope.
0: And I suppose it's don't see approved, huh?
1: No, that that one, it's not. It's still in, I believe, like the prototype phase. So, oh, okay,
0: the prototype. Yeah, okay.
1: I think they have a hundred units they've built now. So they have a, I think they have a hundred out in the uh, the market throughout. I, I'm not sure how many people overseas have them. I do. I have seen a few people, um, but I know there's quite a few people uh, here in North America that uh, have purchased them and then are, are using okay.
0: them. Okay, well, that's probably something we need to take a look at going further. See, so you, uh, you know, because you know the process of getting stuff, you know, see approved is very, is very time-consuming and costly. Uh, we're waiting for the uh, rope runner pro to be see approved. Yeah, yeah, I know. Definitely and, um, takes takes time. Yeah. So um you know um, in terms of uh you know for for you personally you know, what is the best part of your job you know is it the splicing the climbing you know the firefighting or combination of all what is uh, it
1: I would definitely say a combination of them all without without one piece of them I wouldn't have really all of them so okay. um I love being up in in the trees uh working as well as playing um, I love bringing my kids up into, uh, the trees climbing as well. And, uh, even my wife, uh, I can usually get up into a tree once a year. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, that's a huge part of it. Also the kind of like the education part of it and meeting people and, and, and learning new techniques or teaching other people new techniques. Um, that's also a great part of the industry. And yeah, I love being a firefighter um, and uh, also the splicing, obviously, I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. So it's it's a lot of fun working with uh, basically the end user because uh, pretty much I don't have anything made. I Everything is custom. So someone messages me, it, we will all build it once they, they decide how they want it to be uh, made or length or pieces of hardware added to it. So it's it it, it that's also really rewarding too.
0: Nice. It sounds like you have a very good balance there of, of the things that you are doing that you uh you really uh you know enjoy and appreciate yeah. Huh?
1: Oh absolutely I just need more time in a day so I can stay on top of everything.
0: <laughs> well you have to sleep less
1: <laughs> Yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, do you have any plans to kind of develop your, your you know, the splicing, you know, with workshops and uh, things like that?
1: Um, at this point, no. Um, I have had a few people reach out to me um, to, to do workshops. But right now, I, I'm just too busy uh, to, do, to do that. It's not to say I wouldn't. Um, but it, it, if I had more time or something changes, it's definitely something I'd be interested in, uh, with the splicing for, um, like Quran, I will go out to the dealers that, uh, are going to be splicing. So I kind of work, cl- I'll be able to work closely with, with them. Um, yeah. but do a workshop. Um, I'm not there yet, but. Okay. It, not out of
0: the yeah. Well, you know, the reason for asking because, you know, it seems to be very hard to get hold of, you know, people that are doing good splices. You know, mainly, you know, predominantly people are splicing, you know, you know, sailing ropes, for instance. You know, it's kind of the same technique, but, you know, you know, the ropes are a little bit different than sailing ropes and, you know, than kind of a, you know, climbing rope, double braid rope, for instance. Definitely. Yeah, sure. no, for yeah. sure.
1: Um and you don't want anyone just splicing or teaching either. You wanna have uh some credible sources behind behind the person that's doing it. So uh I exactly. definitely definitely would be keen to to do that. Um but yeah, uh at this point I'm just I don't have the time in the in the day to uh facilitate that.
0: No, I'm, yeah, like you said, you know, it, it's it's uh, very time-consuming and, uh, you know, involves... Uh, in order to get, you know, accreditation, takes a lot of time and, you know, there's a lot of people involved and, you know, you can't control their time, so it's yeah, uh, it's kind of difficult.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, they're... Uh, again, like with the whole splife, I've been trying to get through uh, that program as well and it's just... Coronavirus has really screwed a lot of things up or slowed things up.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know.
1: but we'll get there.
0: Yeah, we'll get there. We were supposed to get our accreditation in March, and, uh, you know, it got delayed by about five months.
1: Yeah, I know. It's similar. It took a while for it to get over here and start the process um as well so uh i feel i feel your pain yeah.
0: <laughs> okay peter i think we're uh, getting closer to the end here um i'm not sure if you have any questions here let's see uh what's your favorite uh, current, uh rope
1: oh that's well it depends on what style of climbing i'm doing um if i'm gonna stay on uh, moving rope uh definitely uh eleven point seven uh for uh single rope s r s definitely the square
0: we're two point zero yeah yeah we we sold quite a few of the pink ones here in october oh
1: that's awesome yeah that's yeah. uh uh what about the rest of um the Quran lineup, how are things, uh, how are people over there liking the, the gear?
0: Well, you know, they, they like the gear. I have, um, I have, I have most of the ropes in stock. Uh, and I, I try to keep them at stock, uh, all times. So I have the Kamara, I have the Extreme, I have the Apura, you know, I have the Square in different colors. So, um, I have a lot of the, uh, I have, uh, you know, the harnesses, you know, the Koalas and I have, uh, I have a lot of the bags, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, but like, like you, I have limitations of space. So um, I try to keep the stuff that people want the most. Um, certainly, as we expand and hopefully get into a bigger premise uh, in the not so distant future, we will um, expand the portfolio of Quran products as well.
1: Nice, nice.
0: We have a question from a Peter here. I'm not sure who it is.
1: No, oh, no, they're addressing Peter.
0: Oh, sorry. Okay, said so, Peter. Uh, did you call a college five hours away local? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well,
1: for for us, that's still local because it's still in my province. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't be like the local. There's a local college here uh, in the the town that I work for uh, called Lambton College, but they don't have a program. That's the closest. Program uh, like an art program would be five hours away. So they are the local college for me so Uh, Yeah,
0: Yeah, I know it's a big country
1: Yeah, like uh, five hours of driving in Europe you can go through probably five countries and and Where I live if I stay in my province It takes me 24 hours to drive out of my province to get to the next province to the west. So
0: yeah, well, you know, in in, uh, in the northern part, you know, people can go three hours in a car to get a burger. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's not densely populated up there, um, to say the least. No, for sure. Uh, okay. Well, Peter, it was nice to uh, have a conversation again. Thank you very much for, you know, sharing your, your insights and what's going to be happening in the, the next year, what you've done so far. It's always yeah. nice to speak to you. Um, thanks to everybody who is watching this little episode 26. Uh, we'll be back next Friday. If you missed this episode, you can check it out on our IGTV or YouTube channel. Uh, or, you know, if you have any suggestions, any comments or whatsoever, feel free to reach out. And I suppose that goes for you as well, Peter. huh?
1: Yeah, for sure. If anyone uh, ever has a question or uh especially if it's about uh, splicing or Quran gear, don't uh, hesitate to send me a direct message and uh, I'd be happy to uh, answer to the best of my knowledge. Super. Thanks for having okay, me Okay,
0: people. Again. Sorry?
1: Uh, I said th- thanks for having me on again and uh, look forward to uh, another chat in the future and hopefully it'll be uh, in person the next time.
0: Yeah, that would be very nice. Looking forward to that. So, uh, again, thanks, everybody. Uh, You know, we're doing night here in Europe. um, And um, for everybody else, have a nice day or morning or whatever you're going to do. So uh, take care. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for watching. Bye. See y'all. See you.